Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon shares a message entitled Security. There are always going to be tough times in our lives, and with that comes feelings of uncertainty. But we have to remember that God has our back. And when the church functions the way it is supposed to, it allows us to live our lives in complete security. Again, I want to just say uh, welcome, and we're just glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here just to worship with us and celebrate what Jesus has done in our lives. Um, And just glad to see all your faces that are more smiling now than they were a little bit earlier. So we'll we'll have a big time. This will be good. Um, I want to... talk to you today um, about something, and if you know me, you know it's something that uh, I should be able to speak on because it's something that I deal with. Um, it's something that, that I guess um, I understand a little bit because of, of having been through it myself, but I want to talk to you about um, living in security, living in a place of, of being secure in your life, um, because I think that each one of us deal with, with this issue in different ways, um, and uh, in some way I believe it affects each of our lives. I want to read to you um, out of Hebrews today. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to the book of Hebrews. It's in chapter 6. I want to read the scripture to you. Then we're going to look at that today. And I uh, pray that God will bless it and uh, that he'll move through it in your life. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. It says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Well, Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this opportunity that we have today. God, I pray that we won't take this time lightly, but that we would uh, seek your heart for us in this place today, God. Have your way in this place. Have your way with this word. I pray, God, that this, this word would be good seed that finds good soil in our hearts. I pray that we would be open to receive what you have for us. Lord, just take it and produce incredible fruit in our lives. God, I pray that uh, your word, God, you would become an anchor for our soul, that we would not be tossed to and fro, not be thrown around by this world and by the things that tend to try to occupy our thoughts and our mind, bring anxiety, fear. God, but I pray that you would uh, just become that anchor for us, that we would settle ourselves in you and realize, Father, the power that's within that decision. God, we thank you, we love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody wake up. This is going to be fun. Everybody ready? Everybody smile, big smile. All right, everybody's good. We're ready to go now. All right, I want to tell you a story real quick. And um, true story, and this was my former life as a roofer, as, as some people would say, a roofer. And, and, and this was my former, I used to work on roofs and, and I'm telling you in the middle of winter and in the middle of summer, I am so thankful now that I don't do that anymore. Okay. The call to ministry was a great blessing when it's 110 degrees outside. And I'm thinking about, thank God I don't have to be up there anymore. Um, but there was one time we were working, this was 
probably about this time of year. It was sort of in the spring. And, you know, in the springtime, we get a lot of fronts that come through. We get a lot of, of winds, you know. The winds blow really hard. Well, we were working on a job up in a town called Hefzibah. Who's heard of Hefzibah? And it should be like Hefzibah. But because we're in the South, we take like four syllables and make them three. So it's actually like Hepzibah. And so we were working on this school up in Hepzibah, and it had a green roof on it. And, and I remember it uh, just, just as clear as can be. And we were working on the gym. And if you've ever seen most schools being constructed, they're usually over what's called open purlins. They have purlins that are running across the roof. And then you'll lay out blanket insulation on the purlins, and you'll put roof panels down across the roof. You've seen that before, kind of when schools are being built. Well, as you're doing this, it is very, very, very scary. Well, see, God has a sense of humor because I was a roofer who was afraid of heights. And so that made it even worse because I was, I was afraid of heights. And so for me, it was very scary, especially when you got started, because when you were starting off your panels, all you had was just the little I-beam there to stand on. There was nothing else to stand on. And so you're having to try to handle this insulation and, and these panels and all this stuff, and you're standing on like a six-inch beam. And for me, it was horrifying. As long as we were on the little school wings, it was only maybe 15, 20 feet in the air, and I was okay. But then we got up to the gym. And man, this thing was like 45, 50 feet at the peak to the ground. And I mean, it's just concrete with conduits, little pipes sticking up in the ground. And I'm like, you know, I slip and I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm dead. There's no, there's no other two ways about it. I'm dead. If I make one bad move, I'm dead. And so we were up there and the wind must have been gusting this day like 25, 30 miles an hour. And you've got these long blankets of insulation. And we're up there and, and, and I'm walking up the little beam. And if you've ever done this, it's real easy to go, go up because it's right there in front of you. But if you ever try to turn around and it's going down, man, you just, it's like, for me, I just freaked out. I'm just like, oh, and, and this, I promise you to my knowledge is the closest I've ever come to death. No doubt about it. I still think about this. It's kind of funny now, but I think about this to this day and I kind of get that like, you know what I mean? Where you just kind of think, ooh. And because you think about how close you really came to dying. Well, I was walking up this this little I-beam. It's about six inches wide. I'm walking up this thing and the wind's blowing and, and, and all of a sudden I just look down and I don't know what happened. I'd done this before, but I look down and all of a sudden, you ever have one of those like just oh gosh moments, you know, those, oh, oh crap, what's going to happen now? Where I was just, and I have one of those moments, I'm just like, oh, 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 oh. And, and I'm up there, I'm probably 40, 45 feet in the air, the wind's blowing, I feel like I'm about, and the only thing I could do is squat down. And I just squat down and grab hold of the beam. And so I'm holding on to the flange of this beam, and I'm mean, just shaking, terrified, knuckles are white, and I'm like, how, what am I going to do? How, am I, how in the world am I ever going to get down? And just to tell you the kind of guys that I work with, they were so supportive and so that they immediately came to my aid. No, they didn't. Actually, actually, they were on the ground making fun of me. I'm up there. I am about to die. And they're like comparing me to a cat stuck in a tree. They're like, look at him. Look, he looks like a cat. Stuck. And they're down there having a great time. And I'm like, oh. And I couldn't even think about like killing them because I was so afraid I was going to die. And so I'm sitting there. I'm holding on. I'm like, oh, dear God, if I move a little bit. And you know, that little beam, it felt like it was like an inch wide at this point. And I'm just holding on for dear life. And finally, these guys realize he's not playing. He's, he's, he is seriously about to fall. In every gust of wind, I thought it was going to be the end of me. And you just started feeling this weak feeling like you could not hold on 
tight enough. And so finally this one guy comes up, and, and you got to understand how humiliating this is to like this kid who was right out of college, working with these guys who've been doing this all their life. They're running up and down these beams like it's just nothing. And then I'm stuck, right? And I'm supposed to be the boss. And so I'm stuck up there. And, and so this guy literally has to come up there and talk me down the beam. It was so humiliating. But I just, at that point, I was like, I don't care. I just want to get down. And so I was, and finally I was like, I got to go to the store now. Once I got down, I was like, once y'all get this, y'all get it started, I'll be back in just a minute. And so I waited till they got it going. But man, it was horrifying. It was so scary because I knew that the least little thing could have thrown me off. I was already panicked in my mind. And so it could have just totally been my last breath. I mean, seriously. And I thought about that this week, and I was thinking about us in in regards to security in our own lives. And I was thinking about this. How much is life like that for us sometimes? We just feel like the least little thing, the next little wind that comes along, the next little thing that shakes up our life a little bit is just going to be the death of us, right? I mean, have you ever felt like that? You just think, I can't, if there's one more thing, three people, good. I know I'm speaking to a lot of folks today now. Good. This is so relevant to all of your lives. But... But I I think about that and I'm like, man, our lives can feel that way so many times that the least little thing that comes along now, I'm I'm right on the edge. I mean, we're on the verge of insanity. We're on the verge of explosion. The least little thing that comes along is going to totally blow me over, knock me down. It's going to be the end of me, right? We have those feelings from time to time. And and the problem with that is it can get in our head just like me sitting up there on that beam. Truth of the matter was, I probably could have sat there all day. But in my mind, I was in trouble. When I played college baseball, um, one of the biggest issues for me was feeling as though I was good enough to be there. I was good enough. And, you know, they always say, like, baseball's 80, 90% mental. Well, the problem for me was I was already defeated before I ever walked out on the field. Right? Because I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I was good enough to be there. And sometimes in life, we end up the same way. Where we're already defeated before we ever walk out our front door. Isn't that the truth? Before we ever put our feet on the floor in the morning, we can feel totally defeated, totally washed up, totally like we're not going to be able to make it through, totally feeling like the next little thing that comes and blows me over, the next bill that comes in, the next time my wife says, you know, whatever she says, the next time that happens, I'm going to totally just lose it. I can't do it anymore. And so we begin to have these feelings of insecurity. And the truth is for all of us, you probably have a place in your life that you feel secure, or maybe you think back to your childhood to a place that you felt secure. I know my wife's was uh, her daddy's lap. She'll still, I mean, it's kind of frightening at times because I walk in and she'll be sitting in her daddy's lap to this day. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if that's healthy. I'll have to ask some, someone this later. But, but I walk in and, and she'll be sitting in her dad's lap and she's, I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, 30 something you know you're 32 years old what do you this just she just loves to be in her daddy's life it was a place of security for her you know and then the um thing about it, I was talking with Sean Fox I asked him this week I was like Sean where's a place you feel secure and, and then I answered it for him I was like the drums he's like yeah the drums he's like I just I feel confident in my ability I'm, I'm comfortable behind the drums that's where I feel the most secure and and then I thought back to my own childhood and I was like where was I the most secure and I remember so vividly when I was a child um, I would wake up every single night every night and I would run from my bedroom to my mom and dad's bedroom and I would crawl right up between them 
you know, and, and every night I just snuggle right up in there, you know, right between them, just wiggle my way in. And, and, and it was the most safe place. Now, the, 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 the run over there was horrifying. The run over from my room to their room, I mean, I swear, every night I thought there was like a, a dinosaur or something that was going to eat me as I tried to cross the hallway. But, but I made it every time, and once I got in between them, it could have been like nuclear war, but I would have felt safe and secure. And so I did that, up, I mean, I was like 16, 17 years old, <laughs> but not really, it was more like 13, but... But I did, I love to be there between them. It was just a safe place. You know, we could go camping and if you had left me in the woods by myself, I would have been totally freaked out. But if my dad was there, I was good. I just felt safe. I felt secure. The thing about it though is as we grow up, as we get older, it seems that those places become more random and more scattered. Does it seem like that to you? I mean, that, that we can have this moment of security we can have this moment of this safety, this, this feeling, and, and it might be for you, it might be um, at your home, it might be um, at work, it might, wherever it might be, at church. But it seems like it's real random and scattered. It seems like it's hard for us to maintain that feeling of security, that feeling of safety in our life because of all the things that are going on. I mean, look at what goes on around us. We have so many earthquakes, so many things happening. The economy's falling apart. They, you know, our, our, our country appears to be going in the wrong direction. We, we have all these things happening. And so it's easy for us to lose security. It's easy for us to feel like the next little thing that comes along, all right, as long as that's not like a pacemaker or anything like that, we're good. But but the least little thing that comes along can just blow us off of, uh, off of our, our security. It can just totally move us away from, from what uh, holds us together. And so we end up in this place which all of us experience. And see, here's the truth of the matter. Women, I don't think, have a problem with admitting this as much as men. But men like to put up this front that they have no issues with who they are or they have no problems in life and they are just okay. And we do it every Sunday when we walk through the doors because everybody I talked to this morning, I said, hey, how are you? And they said, fine. <laughs> and I'm thinking... Either we've got an awesome and amazing church, which I believe we do, with incredibly perfect people, or somebody's lying. And I really think probably most of us were lying this morning because I said the same thing. It's fine. But the truth of it is we all experience this. We all have these feelings in our life of, of maybe not measuring up. Maybe we don't have confidence in who we are. Maybe we doubt ourselves, and, and sometimes we, we, we try to cover that up, but we really on the inside doubt ourselves. Maybe it's the environment. I mean, for a teenager, maybe for a, a child, I mean, maybe you grew up wondering, if, when I wake up in the morning, is, is dad going to be there? Is mom going to be there? Maybe you, you woke up every morning wondering, what kind of mood are they going to be, and what, how's it going to work? Or maybe today you get up every morning and you go to a job, and you wonder, what's my boss going to be like today? Is he going to be kind? Is he going to, is he going to fire me? I mean, he fired me twice last week. He just hired me back each time. Yeah, I mean, I know people that that happens to. They're like, well, I got fired twice last week. Good news is I got hired back twice last week. Because their boss is just all over the place. And so we wonder, you know, are, are, we, are we secure or are the things in our life, whether it's our self-assurance or maybe the environments in which we leave, live in, causing us to live in a place where we're constantly insecure? I remember when... Um, I was in school. Um, Sunday nights were always the worst. 
don't know if any of you are like this, but I dreaded school on Monday morning. It wasn't because I had to go to school. It was because I was so nervous about, I mean, butterflies. I'm sick at my stomach. I was, you know, it was all just because I was so nervous about going to school. And I think for a lot of us, we live in that place constantly. And it can begin to rob us. We have these different feelings of of fear. And see, the problem with fear as a Christian is if you're living in fear, you can't hardly take a step of faith, right? How can you step in faith if you're in fear? You can't. They're, They're polar opposites. And so we have to come to a place of recognizing and getting to a place of security so that we can move in faith. We come to places where we have panic, anxiety. You know, we, we, we have so many people today who uh, the least little thing happens and boy, we flip out. I, I can relate to that. The least little thing happens and, and we just panic. We have feelings of worthlessness. I'm amazed by the number of people who I talk to who just feel like they have no purpose in life at all. They have no, no sense of being, no sense of uh, belonging. They feel like everything they've done to this point matters to nothing because they burn every bridge they have and now they have no purpose. And so we have these feelings of worthlessness and it causes us to be insecure. We have these, these anger. I mean, people are angry, you know. We always run into people angry. If you don't believe me, go to Walmart and you'll run into people who are angry. And, and so um, we deal with that. We deal with discontent and dissatisfaction, worry, desperation. I mean, I think this is one of the biggest things that people feel today is just a sense of desperation. I think it's why we try so many different things to try to make ourselves happy and feeling like we're okay. And it doesn't work. Teenagers and adults alike, we like to always talk about teenagers doing crazy things to try to fit in. But adults do the same thing. It's not just something that teens deal with. We have all of these feelings and we have all of these things. One of the things that I have found to be very true in my life is usually the things that I'm feeling on the inside um, affect everybody around me. Have you ever noticed that? Like a lot of the times, the problems, I I started figuring out that the problems I have with other people are really due to the problems I have with me. Have you ever thought about that? Like I can come home from work and because of something that happened during my day, I can get over there and, and Susan can be like, hi, honey, how was your day? What do you want with me? You know, I mean, we can just have all of these things come out of us because of the feelings that we're feeling on the inside. And so we usually take them out on other people, blame other people for our own issues when the issues are really us. It starts with us. If we'll work on us, we'll find that everybody else is not as bad as we think they are. But it just seems to be that we like to throw it off on other people. Now, what is this little, how do these feelings manifest? One of the things that happens is it, it manifests in irritability. Anybody ever just irritable? Just, just in a bad mood? And so many times, if you trace that feeling back, so many times it's due to a sense of insecurity. It's due to a sense of what do people think about me? What's going to happen to me? And, and if you notice, there's a lot of me in that. There's a lot of me that's wrapped up in that. There's, there's, uh, it looks like depression. It looks suicidal. It looks like people who just think I have no reason to live and it begins to manifest in their life. It comes out as pride. You know, the funniest thing about it is most of the people that you think are the most confident are really probably the most insecure. And so they try to cover it up by putting on this front, by acting in this way that, that makes them appear okay. It's the most amazing thing to me to see big, tough men totally fall apart when they finally let their guard down because they've been putting up this wall and this false exterior for so long. And on the inside, they're dying and they're crying out, but on the outside, they wouldn't dare let anybody know it or, or actually see what's going on on the inside of them. Is that not true? We all do it. Thank you, Joe. 
And he was saying that for all of you because he doesn't actually deal with that. He just recognizes it in other people. But, but we do. I mean, guys, we try to hide it. We try to cover it up. We try to act like everything's okay. And on the inside, it's really not because we're eating up with insecurity, doubts, and worries for our, of our own. And the, the key to it is when you ask somebody something and they, don't say, and they say, I don't care, then what they're really saying is, I care so much it really bothers me, so I'm going to try to cover it up and hide it. And we hear that all the time. I mean, I'll say it too. Susan's like, what are you going to do? I say, I don't know. I don't care. It means I'm really freaking out about it, right? I really don't know what to do. And so I'm panicking. And, and instead of dealing with it, I'm just ignoring. I'm trying to just pray and hope that it goes away. But we deal with that. We, we become very confrontational a lot of times. People, we, we feel like people are trying to take our little, our little cheese you know what I mean? We, we, we begin to try to hold it and, 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 uh, and it just keep it. And it becomes ours. And, and don't you touch this. This is mine. And so we become very confrontational, very defensive when things are on the inside of us that we're insecure about. We're afraid that somebody will come and take. I mean, churches are probably the worst. I mean, you find out there's somebody who's been going to the church that you're at. They go and visit another church. And what do we do? We freak out. We're like, oh, my gosh. Well, how would they be? Sheep thieves. You know what I mean? And we freak out because it's so much about competition in our churches today. It's so much about, about our little thing. And I believe truly that this is a huge problem in the church because it's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. You know what? If every one of you can go to another church and get more of what you need from Jesus, then how can, who, who am I to sit here and say, don't you do that? If you can encounter the power of God somewhere else, then my heart ought to be, let's all go. Because it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about Connection Church, it's about the kingdom of God. And so many times it becomes about us and our little kingdom. Listen, I believe in what we're doing, and I believe people ought to be here. But also know that this isn't going to fit for everybody. But there are some that, that this is the place that they can be fed the best, they can grow the best, they can be used the best to serve and minister in the community. But we can't get to a place where we're so defensive about everything because of our insecurities and afraid that we're going to lose our stuff or our thing. And have you ever noticed that it begins to take place when you get really invested? Have you ever noticed that, that when you've got seven people meeting in a pond house with a flamethrower outside for the children's heater, that, that you don't really hold on to it too tightly, and you're almost willing to do anything to, to try to reach new people, but just as soon as you start adding people and you start getting something that seems to be going, you start becoming real defensive about that. You start becoming real unprotective um, over that because let's not screw up. And see, the thing we forget is it was the step of faith that got us to where we were in the first place. And we become so protective of what's ours, and we can't do that as a church, but our insecurities begin to cause us to do that. We become very opinionated because that defensive nature wants us to try to figure out why our, our uh, idea, why our thought is right. How many of you have ever been around? It didn't matter what you were talking about. They were going to be right. And they would spend 30, 45 minutes explaining to you why, you're, why they were right. And you just sit there and you're just like, you know, it's just hitting you. And they're just throwing their opinions around. A lot of that is because there's insecurity and you just can't stand to be wrong. Somehow wrong invalidates who you are. It's a big issue for us. It's a big issue for us as individuals. And, and I believe it causes two problems. I believe it's a twofold problem. One, Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we could live an insecure life. 
so that we could be tossed to and fro by everything that comes along in our life. He died so that you could be anchored, as Hebrews said, you could be anchored and secure, firm, so that the things of this world don't blow you around, so that the things of this world don't cause you to get insecure. See, most of us are one phone call away from falling apart. We are. Listen, I spent, I spent last weekend with two guys and that... that it was a retreat, okay? And I was down there, and, and there was actually a bunch of, bunch of men on this retreat together, and, and we were there, and, uh, and I heard two guys give a testimony about having to go to the scene of an accident. And both of them said that when they got to the scene of the accident, that what they experienced was the most horrifying thing they've ever experienced before because their teenage child was covered up with a sheet. And I thought about that, and I thought, man, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know that I could make it through that. I don't know what I would do in that situation. But you know what one of those guys said? He said, listen, most people have to live by faith and not by sight. And he said, but when I walked up on that scene, he said, I want you to know that Jesus carried me. There was something that happened to me in which God literally carried me through that time I can't imagine that I can't fathom that and yet these men were up there testifying to the fact that listen it was hard and it was tough but we made it through and Jesus brought us through and he made us get through that he brought us through and so we have to realize that Jesus doesn't he didn't die on a cross so that we could be just tossed around and blown around all over the place he died so that we could be anchored knowing that no matter what this world throws at us, we're going to make it through. We're going we're gonna to make it. We're going to live. We're going to go. We're going to do. We're going to be taken care of. The last thing, or the, the second problem with this is that, and, and think about this for a second, but we become so self-conscious that we can't become others conscious. Does that make sense? That you spend so much time thinking about yourself and do I fit in? Am I okay? Is, is everything all right? Am I going to make it? That we can't even focus on anybody else. And see, here's the problem with that is we walk into a room and we're so self-conscious about what other people are thinking about us, what other people are saying about us, what other people are, 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 are talking about us that we can't even be aware of the people who are around us. And what we don't realize is that right now, probably to your left or right, front or back, is somebody with a huge gaping hole in their heart and in their life who needs somebody to be attentive to what's going on with them. But we get so, we get so caught up in what's going on with me that we lose sight of the hurt and what's happening in the lives of other people. Listen, people need you. People need the God in you, in their lives, to bring them the security that God wants them to have. And so we've got to get to this place of recognizing that that we can have security. I want you to remember it like this, and we're, we're, we're moving into the sort of the end of this, but I want you to think about it like this. Now, in school, probably my worst subject was English. As you can tell if you listen to me preach with all the ain'ts and that kind of thing. But, but, my worst subject, but I want to give you just a little thing that maybe will help you remember this. So the next time you begin to start feeling that insecurity, that, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Just remember this. It's all about a noun, a verb, and an adjective. Okay? See, here's the thing. God acted on your behalf so that you can be secure. 
God the noun acted the verb so that you can be secure the adjective. And so that is our right as children of God, that we can live a life of security in which when things come, we just know we're going to be okay. We're going to make it. And the reason why is because of Jesus. Listen to this. In, in Hebrews 6, it says that when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And then down there in verse 19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. See, here's the awesome thing about being a Christian. Here's one of the greatest things about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that the promises that come through Christ are not anchored in anything um, that, that can fall away, that can crumble, that can fade. They are anchored in God himself. They are anchored in God himself. See, listen, the things that we hold on to that secure us, we're only as secure as the things that we try to secure ourselves to, Right? So if you're securing yourself with the economy, with money, with all these different things, then the problem is it's going in the tank right now. So your security has been eaten up. If you try to secure yourself with a girlfriend, a wife, a, or, or somebody in your family, you know what? People are human. They can tend to let you down. If you try to secure yourself with your job performance, with how, how well you do at work, that's great on a good day. But then all of a sudden on a bad day, where's your security? Does it not make sense to anchor ourselves to something that never changes? Something that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Something that has your best in mind all of the time. Yes, it does. I'll answer that for you. Yes, it makes perfect sense to anchor yourself in God. And it says in here, the most amazing thing is this. It says that our security, our hope, our, our, the, the, the promise of God enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us, has entered on our behalf. It means that Jesus took your hope and your security. He went behind a curtain that in the Old Testament times only a priest could go behind. So Jesus being the high priest, our priest, goes behind the curtain and anchors us in the very presence of God himself so that you and I are secure in the presence of God. In the presence of God. So that all the things of the world, listen, they don't, they're going to come and they're going to, they're going to be very real in our lives and, th and there's going to be times. But what Jesus is telling us, what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is, listen, listen, your security has been anchored in God. The problem is that we like to take up anchor and try to move it to somewhere else, don't we? I mean, we'll do great for a time. Something comes along and boy, whoo, we hit our knees and we start praying and we get with God. But the problem is pretty soon we try to pick up anchor and go somewhere else with it. And it totally messes us up because there's nothing in the world that is going to bring the security that God wants you to have in him. But somehow there's something in us, this nature inside of us that wants to try to figure it out on our own, that wants to try to anchor ourselves in something else. And it's never, ever, ever going to work. See, this is what I believe, and, and, and we're getting close to the end. I keep saying that, but we really are, I promise. See, I told you people will lie to you. God never lies. Um, <laughs> but I want you to understand this, that I believe your security comes through God in two places. One, it, it's just being anchored in the life of God. It's having this relationship with God, this relationship with Jesus Christ. And see, we've got to recognize the magnitude of this. Do you realize you're not anchored to some body? You are anchored to the God of the universe. 
Remember the other day we talked about how fast the world spins at like over a thousand miles an hour? And we talked about how fast the world goes around the sun at over like 67,000 miles per hour. And how somehow we don't fly off of that. And so this is God and it's moving that fast and somehow, somehow, it still takes 365 days for the earth to get back around to where it started from. That is a big God. That is who you're anchored to. That's who has, has promised your security. All the promises of Jesus Christ are yes and amen. Listen, it is about life. It is about joy, peace. All of these things are promises of God. And he says they are so sure because one, I am the one who promised. I have made the oath, the covenant with myself. So it's going to happen no matter what you see, think or feel. It's going to happen. And two, because I'm so big, I'm so awesome. And I have anchored it literally in myself. And so God has given us this awesome promise that we can be secure because of what he's done for us. See, there's, there's, there's this promise that we are fixed so that we won't fall apart and we are certain to remain. But there's something that happens in the lives of Christians somehow, especially with new believers, get to a place where we think if we become Christian, everything is going to be fine. There's never going to be another challenge, another trial, another tribulation. Anybody found that to be true? No. Somebody's like, no. No. In fact, it, it's, it's kind of the opposite. Probably as soon as you gave your life to Christ, all hell broke loose, right? I mean, it just went crazy. And and so you get to this place where you're wondering what is going on. But see, if you look at John 16, 33, Jesus told us this was coming. He said, listen, I I don't give peace to you the way the world is. But listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble. That's what he said. He didn't say gonna. He said you will have trouble. But I say gonna because I'm from the deep south. But he said you're going to have trouble. He said, but take heart for I have overcome the world so that when our lives are anchored in God, we don't have to worry about totally falling apart because our lives are anchored in God. And he says, listen, I have overcome the world. If you are in Christ, your security is not of this world. So you know what that means? It means that the world cannot rob you because your security is not anchored in anything of this world. So that when trials and tribulation, when things come, you know God is the one that's here with me, right? And he's the one that's anchored me. He's the one who's got my back and who I can, um, I can rest and, and be assured of. He's going to take care of me. Jesus said uh, that he who digs deep and builds his house on the rock, who builds his house on Christ, that the winds and the rains of life will come, but you will stand. That you will stand. And that's God. That's the one who's taking care of us right now. The one who's anchoring us. The other thing is this. I want to, how many of you, somebody, let's just take a quick moment. We, we don't have that many people here today. But somebody tell me the greatest miracle in the Bible. This is not like a, I mean, there's no right answer, okay? So I'm not going to be like, no, you're wrong. Sorry. But somebody just throw one out there. Somebody who's not, not shy. A miracle. Yes. The resurrection. That's a good miracle. Awesome miracle. Thank God for that miracle. We'll celebrate that in a couple of weeks, especially with Easter. What other miracle? Somebody? Anybody? One? Great. Healing the blind. That's awesome. Can I read you what I believe is the greatest miracle? Because I believe this is another key to our security and one reason that we struggle with it so much as Christians. I want to read you what I believe is the greatest miracle in the Bible. Are you ready? This is just my, I told you people are opinionated. Well, here it is. This is my opinion, okay? But I want you to hear this. In Acts chapter 4, 
32 through 35, it says this, all the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that they had, that any of, the, any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. So I believe, that's the greatest miracle in the Bible to me. I truly believe it. See, see, God breathed life into dust when he created Adam, right? So life is, that's, God's like, pfft. Life. God, God made the intricacies of the eyeball. If I were smarter, I would tell you about how all these work, but I can't. And so God made all of that. He understood that. And, and, and so that was nothing to God. I mean, he spoke. Uh, somebody told me this week, you know, the Red Sea part. It had to be the greatest miracle. God spoke those into existence. It was nothing for him to say, water, stop. But for God to get human beings with a selfish nature to exercise their free will to come alongside the will of God, that is a miracle, right? And one of the reasons we don't have security in our lives is one, because we we keep moving anchor, but two is because we can't get this right. We can't get this right as the church. See, we can't watch each other's back because typically the church is stabbing each other's back. Is that not true? We could fill up an auditorium in Statesboro, Georgia with people who've been hurt by church and no longer follow Christ. We could. And so we've got to get this right. This is something that we've got to get to so that we can come to a place of knowing we're secure, knowing that there are people who have our backs, knowing that there is a place in God and Christ where we can we can actually come into a building and it's okay to be real. See, I think one of the problems with the church today is we've taken a page out of the military's book and how they deal with homosexuality so that when it comes to sins and all of these different things, when it comes to being real, we just say, don't ask, don't tell. Do we not? Just, just don't ask, don't tell. Everything's okay. If we can just get out of here and get to RJ's, we'll be good. But we don't want it to be messy. You know? But I think we got, we got to get past that. See, I pray, that, I pray that these seats will be full of people with real issues and people who are real and who aren't afraid to admit it. People who are able to come in and find security in a people that even when they've screwed up, they know that somebody's got their back so that they're not afraid to come in and be real. So that we don't just come in and, and slap five and then go home and nothing ever changes. It, it, it's sickening. That we sit in our little social circle every Sunday and people's lives never change. I'm not in it for that. I'm not in it to come in here and let you leave with just a good feeling. I want people to be real with who they are. We need to get real with it so that people can begin to experience the healing power of Jesus Christ. Because up to this point, I'm telling you, we're, we're just scratching the tip of the surface of what God wants to do in the lives of people we got to get to a place where we're willing to be real. And you know where it starts? It starts with me. And it starts with you. It starts with yourself. When we quit caring so much about what we look like, what we think, what we are, what, who people see us to be, and we start caring more about the person that's sitting to our left or right who feel like, feels like their life is going to hell in a handbasket, then we can become the church. But it's not about just being here just to hang out. It's not about making sure we got coffee or the right handout to give you on Sunday morning. 
It's about people's lives really being impacted and encountered. Listen, we're going to start this series next Sunday called Encounter. We're praying and believing that, that somehow we're going to get those cards into the right people's hands and that, that the right people are going to come and that they are going to encounter Jesus Christ. But you know what? If we're not encountering him ourselves, then how are they going to encounter it? Because I believe there are three types of people in this world. There are three types of people. There are people who believe God's just going to do everything. There are people who believe I've got to do everything. And then there's the third person that I believe is the way we need to be, which is saying, listen, God's going to do it all, but if he's going to do it, he's going to do it through us. That we're going to be the true hands and feet of God. And if he's going to move, he's going to move through us. See, God's not going to distribute invitations to people to come and experience Jesus on his own. It's not like he's just going to send a tornado. I mean, he could, and it just could, and suddenly end up in the mailboxes of people who need to come. I mean, that would be cool. But the odds are that we're actually going to have to do something ourselves. And we need to get to a place where we are willing to be real with real people and be willing to lay it all on the line so that they can come into an encounter with Jesus Christ and with who he is. Listen, Jesus has called us to be a secure people. He has called us to be confident, not cocky. He's called us to be sure, but our surety is in him. I guarantee you this, right now where you sit, God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream. I guarantee you it is. One of the biggest things that holds us back is we're not willing to dream the dream of God. It might look totally different than your dream, but his dream in the grand scheme of things and in the kingdom of God is so much bigger than anything you could imagine. So much bigger. Thank you, Joe. So much bigger. And he wants to use us in incredible ways. He wants to use us in in magnificent ways to bring people into his kingdom. But we've got to be sure of who we are. We've got to be sure of who we are. There's a guy in the Bible, and uh, his son was possessed by a demon. And some of y'all are going, I wonder if that was like me, you know. But his son was possessed by a demon. And, and he comes up to Jesus, and Jesus, the, the, the apostles and disciples, they couldn't heal this little boy. They couldn't cast the demon out. And yet Jesus walks up, and, and, and he comes, and, and he, the, the boy comes up to him, and he says, listen. And the man looks at him, and he says, if you can heal him, we, please, please do something for my son. And Jesus looks at him, and he's like, if I can, if I can? He's like, listen, all things are possible for those who believe. And then the man looks at him, and he says, I believe, just help my unbelief. You know, Jesus didn't call you to perfect faith. He called you to faith. He called you to believe something. And when we'll begin to step in that faith, in that, that faith of a mustard seed, God will begin to move mountains. God, listen, faith is moving in the face of doubt. Faith is moving in the face of fear because when you begin to move, God will begin to do incredible things in your life. And when we begin to get real and step in faith and say, you know, this is so uncomfortable for me, but I'm willing to do this because I know that the fruit of it is so much more important, then God will begin to move in incredible ways to bring people into his kingdom. Listen, if you want to get real messed up about church, go and read the book of Acts. If you want to get real messed up, because here's the thing. You know people got saved in the book of Acts? Wow. Do we really believe that'll still happen today? Yes, it'll happen. 
God desires for people to come into the kingdom of God more than you and I could ever desire. His heart is that none should perish, but that all would have eternal life. And when we begin to move in the security of Christ, we can see that. We can see it. We can be secure in who we are. We can know that, listen, there may be tough times. There are going to be challenges. But I know that God's got my back and I'm going to make it through it. And I pray to God that you can walk through the doors of this church and know that there are probably 100 to 200 people on any given day that have got your back. They aren't going to judge you or, or criticize you, but they're going to walk through life together with you. Because that's what we're here for. That's what, that's what the church is about. Amen.